There is no substitute for the preaching and teaching of God's Word. Each weekday on Enjoying the Journey, Scott Pauley leads us in a brief study of Scripture. Today, on the Weekend Pulpit, we are happy to share a full-length Bible message given through Scott's pulpit ministry. These messages were recorded live in a local church or gospel event in recent days. It is our prayer that the message will be a help to you today. Good. How many got your Bible with you this morning? Wave it at me. You got your Bible? Oh, very good. Let's open our Bibles this morning to the Psalms. I love the Psalms. Matter of fact, on our daily podcast just a few months ago, we went through every Psalm. We had 150 episodes, one on each Psalm. That's easier on some of them than others. Psalm 119 is a hard one to cover in one episode, 176 verses long. But we're going to a shorter one today. And it is a famous one, perhaps one of the most familiar psalms. It is Psalm 23. Would you find Psalm 23 in your Bible? And probably you're thinking, I know this already. Uh, I I can quote this from memory. I hope that's true. We're going to read it out loud together in just a moment. But it is your devotional reading for today. And before we read it together, I want you to find your place in Psalm 23, then sit up, look at me for just a moment. One of the dangers when you read the Bible There's two extremes. One is that you totally neglect some parts of the Bible. So some parts of the Bible just, you know, the pages still stick together. You never go there. That's not good because God has all of it for us. And you don't want to miss anything the Lord wants to teach you. The other extreme is that there are some portions of Scripture that you've read so many times, heard so many times, know so well that you skim it. It's like, something you see in a textbook somewhere, and you say, oh, I've already learned that. So you breeze over it. And yet I've discovered that sometimes the most neglected passages are the ones we think we know. In fact, I have been kind of shocked in my own devotional reading that sometimes I'm reading through a passage that I think, I I know what this is. I I already got this. And then the Lord shows me something. I started to say something new. There's no new thing under the sun. Truth is not new because it's eternal It's not new. It's been there all along. It didn't just show up, but it is fresh. And when you open your Bible today, you're not looking for some new thing. That's what the world's always looking for. Give me me something new, something I've never heard before. Go ahead, impress me. But we're not looking for some new thing, but we are looking for some fresh thing that God will connect to our lives. Now, I want to read Psalm 23 with you. It's only six verses long, and I want you to read it out loud with me. And we're not going to rush, all right? We're going to read it kind of slowly so we can think about what we're reading. And I'd recommend you do that when you read your Bible. By the way, if you'll learn to read your Bible out loud, it will help you. Let's take a survey. How many of you ever found as you read the Bible that you got distracted, your mind started wandering? Would you raise your hand? All right. Welcome to my country. All right. Uh, We've all done it. If you think preachers don't do it, you're crazy. Our minds wander. So I've learned if you read the Bible out loud, it helps you concentrate. 
because all your faculties are working together. Your eyes, your mouth, your mind, your ears. In other words, we're all working together to concentrate on this. And so I want to encourage you to try to read the Bible out loud. Even today when you go out uh, to read, you, you don't have to read extremely loud. Everybody around you hears, but you can at least mouth the words, whisper the words. It will help you. I promise you it will help you concentrate on what you're reading. Well, let's read it together. Ready? Psalm 23, verse 1. Ready? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Now, in the morning meetings and in your devotional time, we're trying to come to know God better. And we have learned that He's our Father. Anybody still glad He's your Father? I looked through the decision cards this morning, and a number of you settled your salvation last night. I was really excited about that. Welcome to the family. We're, we're glad to have you as brothers and sisters in Christ. You know He's your Father. Today we come to yet another aspect of who God is. And, and in reality, all of the Bible is God teaching us who He is. And in every part of the Bible, it's a different aspect of who He is. There's so many different facets to who God is. And by the way, He's not more of one than He is of another. He's the perfection of all of them. But today we come to one of my favorites. He's not only my father, he is my shepherd. In fact, that's the way the psalm begins. Look at verse number 1. The Lord, see that all capital letters again? That's Yahweh, Jehovah, the covenant God of Israel, the, the God who makes and keeps promises. The Lord is, and this is so important, my shepherd. Is he your shepherd? It's one thing for you to read this. It's another thing for you to live it. We're all sheep, all of us. We live out in the country. We don't have sheep. My daughter Morgan was driving out our little country lane the other day, and there was a, a pig on the loose. And when I say a pig, I mean a very large one waddling down beside the road. She sent me a video of it. And you never know what you'll see out in the country. But I have been in parts of the country where there are a lot of sheep, and sheep are interesting creatures. Uh, they, they're gentle. They are needy. They are easily get dirty. They easily get wounded. They easily wander off. Uh, they, they need a shepherd. Sheep need a shepherd. And all through the Bible, this is fascinating, Old and New Testament, God likens us to sheep. I don't think that really means that he's saying we're stupid. He created us with minds to reason, to think. There's a lot of very intelligent people here. That's not what he's saying. But Isaiah 53 sheds a little light on it. It says this, all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone, watch this, to his own way. And the Lord laid on him, that's Jesus, the iniquity of us all. He calls us sheep because like sheep, we are so prone to, to kind of wander away from the shepherd, wander away from the flock, choose our own path, and get ourselves in a mess. Sometimes in youth meetings, we have this tendency to say, you have so much potential. Let me say something different to you this morning. The only potential you have on your own is the potential to make a mess out of your life. That's the only potential you have. On your own, apart from God, you have no potential to accomplish something great for eternity. 
because we are all sheep. Not some of us, all of us. The dirty little secret is we all are rebels. We all have rebel, sinful hearts. We want our own way. And Psalm 23 is the exact opposite of that. It is us recognizing the Lord is our shepherd and allowing Him to chart the course, allowing Him to pave the way, allowing Him to provide the guidance. All through the psalm, it, it moves from the Lord to us, the Lord to us, the Lord to us. For example, everybody look at verse number 1. The first part of verse number 1 says, the Lord is my shepherd. The second part of the verse says, I shall not want. Notice it doesn't start with I, it starts with the Lord. That's, that's a good little key right there. You can't say, I shall not want, if you can't say or you won't say, the Lord is my shepherd. You know, we're living in a fast food, fast-paced, Instagram-filtered society where everybody wants the product and nobody wants the process. In other words, as long as we can get our needs met, as long as we can say, I shall not want, then life is good. God says, no, no, the only way you can get to the I shall not want is you have to go through, the Lord is my shepherd. And so Psalm 23 is not really about you, sorry. Psalm 23 is about knowing God. And watch this, the nearer you get to God, the more God meets the deepest needs of your life. Who wrote Psalm 23? Right, look in your Bible, just above verse 1 it tells you. A psalm of what? David. Who was David? David started as a shepherd boy. I love the fact God is using something David really understands. He's worked with sheep. He, he understands them. And yet, did it ever dawn on you that when David wrote Psalm 23, he considered himself to be a sheep as well? That instead of writing Psalm 23 like he's the shepherd, he recognizes there's a greater shepherd. I mean, this is a guy who's got some experience herding sheep and leading sheep and moving them from pasture to pasture and warding off, remember, the, the bears and the lions that would come after the flock. And yet in this passage, he's recognizing that there is a greater shepherd. He's the good shepherd. He's the great shepherd. He's the chief shepherd. He is the Lord my shepherd. Now, here's the problem. We all want to be the shepherd. We're sheep but we want to be in charge. We want to be the boss. We want to make our own decisions. People say, nobody's going to tell me what to do. Okay, well, then you're going to tell you what to do, and you're going to have to live with the consequences of the choices you make. Let me ask you this. Do you think you can make better decisions or God can make better decisions for your life? I'm going to tell you what I've discovered. Every blot on my story I put there and every blessing in my story he put there. See, I have made some really stupid choices in my life. There are days I'd, I would love to have do-overs. I would love it. I would love to say, mm, let's back that track up and try that one more time. But life doesn't get lived that way. But here's the amazing thing about God. He never makes a wrong turn. Never. He never makes a wrong decision. Do you really think a God who loved you so much he gave his son for your sins and is preparing heaven for you for eternity is going to do the wrong thing with your life between now and then? Do we really think that the Lord, who is the great shepherd, who has a better vantage point than any one of the sheep, who's already been ahead of us where we're going, who is seeing the end from the beginning, do we really think that the Lord doesn't know what he's doing with our lives? See, I'm convinced that Psalm 23 is not a psalm for death. It's a psalm for life. Usually it gets read at funerals. That's where most people hear Psalm 23. Or somebody's dying in a hospital bed and some minister comes in and reads Psalm 23 to them like, this is the psalm for the end of your life. I don't think so. I think it's a psalm for youth. I think it's a psalm for your whole life. 
It's a psalm that will guide you through all the twists and turns and decisions of life. And you're facing a lot of them. Some of you are on the verge right now deciding where you're going to go to college. Some of you are trying to figure out if she's the right one or he's the right one. Some of you are trying to discern what career path you're going to be on or what calling God has for you. You've got big decisions facing you. And, and here's what we're prone to do. We get all anxious and worked up. And we're like, I don't know what to do. And i got all these decisions, and I feel so much pressure, and everybody's asking me what I'm going to do with my life, and I just don't know yet. And I want to say, relax. You don't have to have all those answers unless you're the shepherd. No, but as long as you recognize he's the shepherd and you're just following, you're not, you're not the leader, he's the leader, then you can ra- rest and relax in that because now the burden's off of you. Whew. The burden's on him. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I don't know if you're like me or not, but I'm a planner. How many of you are planners? You like to plan out things, all right? Here's the problem with planners. Planners want to have all the details up front. They want to think everything through. They want to be in charge because, you understand, we know what's best. Here's the interesting thing about God. Did you know God's not looking for planners? That's, that's, not, in his, that's not in his callings. That's not in his giftings. He's not looking for planners. He's the planner. He's looking for followers. Do you know when I really le- learned this truth? Six years ago. Six years ago, I was serving in a ministry in a church and a college, having the greatest time of my life, minding my own business, when all of a sudden the Lord said to me, I want you to follow me into evangelistic work. And I said, I don't think so. I'm really comfortable where I am. See, I, I wanted to live a planned life. Listen to me. There's a difference between a planned life and a led life. The planned life is I can see it all. I got it all figured out, and I know what I'm going to do. But that's not the faith life. No, the led life is the one where God's out in front, and he's not showing you every step. Matter of fact, sometimes he's just showing you one step at a time, and as you take that step, he'll show you the next step. And if you don't take that step, you're going to get stuck right there. Because God's not looking for leaders. Everybody says, we need more leaders. I don't think so. We need more followers. You be a good follower, you'll become a good leader. You'll lead other people to Jesus. You'll lead other people that God gives you influence over. When you learn that you're not the main leader, every one of us is just a follower of Jesus Christ. Did you ever play, did you ever play uh, follow the leader as a kid? You know, if you're in a neighborhood, the big struggle is who gets to be the leader. That's the fight, you know. Who gets to be the leader? So here's a good way that children can figure that out. And the way we would figure it out is this. Whoever's backyard we were playing in, that's who gets to be the leader. So if we're in your backyard today, you're the leader. If you're in my backyard today, I'm the leader. Did it ever dawn on you we're all living in God's backyard? We're living on God's earth, breathing God's air, drinking God's water, eating God's food, enjoying God's sunshine, listening to God's birds sing. Seems to me like probably he ought to be the leader of this thing. And if he's the leader then that means we're following. He's the shepherd, we're the sheep. And that's okay because the shepherd knows exactly what he's doing. For years, I taught in a college setting, schools. And especially in college, teachers, by and large, give out a syllabus. How many of you know what a syllabus is? All right, now, theoretically, the syllabus is to detail everything the teacher expects. <laughs> Let me just say, it doesn't work that way usually. They add to and take away from, don't they? It's just like teachers. But here's the way we want the will of God. We want the will of God to fall out of heaven 
like a syllabus. And we say, so this is next year, and then this is the next year, and that's what I'm going to do in college. And Okay. All right, Lord, I'd like to negotiate on page number 76. We want to work through the syllabus with the teacher and try to understand everything. Can I tell you, the will of God never comes like a syllabus. It unrolls like a scroll. You ever seen a scroll? It unrolls a little time, a little more, a little more, and you read that and then a little more and a little more. That's the way the will of God is. And if you think, well, I don't like that, I want you to know it is an, an adventure. It's the adventure of faith. And if you will learn as early in life as possible to trust that God knows what is best, it's going to make your whole life much better. I, I made a mistake years ago preaching to teenagers. I really did. When I started preaching to teenagers, I didn't talk near enough about faith. Because I thought faith was for lost people, sick people, and old people. And as long as you were saved and you were young and you weren't, you know, terribly ill, you didn't really need faith. Boy, was I wrong. Faith is the Christian life, and you don't learn to trust God when you're an old man or when you're grown. You learn to trust God right now, and if you won't trust God now, you probably won't trust Him later. And I'm looking at a lot of young people this morning with needs, and they're all different. There's probably some young person in this room who's heard the dreaded word cancer. And some of you dealing with difficulties at home. You're already thinking about it. And some of you are really dealing with some great disappointment in life. You, you all have hurts and wounds. You say, how do you know that? Because we all do. I was preaching in a camp in Michigan a few weeks ago, and a young man I'd never seen before came up to me, and he said, would you pray for me? I said, certainly. He told me his name. Fine young man. He said, I'm going in for my 19th surgery next week. This is a boy who has lived less than half of my lifetime and has already endured more physically than I could have ever imagined. And you think, I don't understand all that. I don't understand all that either, but I know this. I know that that young man, who, by the way, was full of faith in God. I mean, I'm, I'm telling you, he was strong in faith. And he said to me with joy, he said, you know, God's just taking such good care of me. And he said, I know the Lord's going to take care of me. And I, I was just so impressed with his faith in God. And it reminded me again, that even young people need to recognize the shepherding work of their great God. If David needed a shepherd, then I guarantee you, you and I do, and this is a shepherd you can trust. This is a shepherd you can follow. Now, every passage has one major theme. Can I show you the major theme of Psalm 23? It's rich with truth. Here's the major theme. In verse number 2, would you mark the phrase, He leadeth me. Say those three words, would you please? He leadeth me. Say it again. He leadeth me. Then come to verse 3 and notice it a second time. See, when God repeats himself, it's never because he forgot he said it the first time. When God repeats himself, it's because there's something there he doesn't want us to forget that he said. It's the divine emphasis. So mark it again in verse 3. Same three words. Say it, please. He leadeth me. Say the three words. Ready? He leadeth me. Not once but twice at the beginning of the psalm. Usually the key to a passage is found near the door, maybe near the front door, maybe near the back door. This one's near the front door. So near the beginning of the psalm, he gives this little phrase, he leadeth me. And I think that phrase opens up the whole psalm because watch this. If you won't follow the shepherd, he cannot protect and provide for you like he wants to. Everybody wants Jesus to protect them. They just don't want to obey him. Everybody wants Jesus to feed them. They just don't want to follow him. And I want to say to you, if you want him to feed, then you've got to let him lead. If you want God to, to guard you, then you have to let him guide you. And so the great principle of Psalm 23 is this. He's the leader, we're the follower, and it's time for us to follow his lead. 
Let me give you some truths. Let's walk through the psalm. Ready? Look at verse number 2. Here's the first thing he leads. He leads us to rest and peace. Would you like some rest and peace in your soul? Some of you are saying, I'd like some sleep right now, praise God. Well, you're going to get that. You're going to go home and sleep for about three days, and you'll recover. You're going to be all right. You're, you're young. You can sleep when you die. It'll be all right. You're going to live. But let me tell you, let me tell you where the greatest rest and peace is. It is not in the physical sleep. It's learning to rest in God. Some of you right now, and by the way, it may not even be the ones that we would think, but inside there's like this turmoil going on. I mean, you're anxious. You're worked up. Your mind is racing. Your emotions are, are stirred up. You feel like you're pulled in a hundred different directions, and you're trying to figure out how to fix this, how to straighten this out. Could I remind you, there's only one person in history who ever stood up on the bow of a ship in the middle of a storm and said, peace be still, and the winds and waves obeyed him, and that's Jesus. And I want to tell you, there's only one person who can calm your troubled thoughts and emotions, and it's not you, and it's not somebody else doing that for you. And it doesn't happen after you get all your problems fixed and all your circumstances changed. No, God gives rest and peace wherever you are. Look at verse number 2. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures, tender places for the sheep to lie down and rest. He leadeth me beside the still waters. The word still there literally means quiet. We live in one more noisy world. Man, it's a noisy world. Jesus brings peace. And he brings rest. Sheep are funny creatures. They are easily spooked. They're scared. If they're fighting among themselves, did you know they won't lay down and sleep? If they're, if they're, if they're not getting along in the flock, they will not sleep. So the shepherd has come along, put that to rest, so they will rest. Did you know if they think there's something, some predator out there somewhere, they will not lie down. They will stand up indefinitely. Till the shepherd comes along with staff in hand and lets them know by his presence, it's all right, I got this. You can lay down and sleep. Maybe you don't need a lot of sleep. I need a little bit of sleep every night, but we all need some sleep. But do you know why God built sleep into your routine and rhythm every day? He could have made you like a robot that never needs sleep. You ever wonder why God made it so you have to sleep at night? Sleep is a daily reminder that God is God and we are not. See, he never gets tired. He never gets weary. He never goes to sleep. Never. He's up all the time. By the way, that's why you can sleep. The Bible says he giveth his beloved sleep. You can sleep because he's not sleeping. You can rest because he works the night shift. And the same principle is true in life. Do you know how you can rest in your spirit? By realizing that he is doing the great work and he will meet the deepest needs of your life. If you'll just let him lead you, young person, he will lead you to rest and peace. There's a second principle. Look at verse 3. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Would you write down that not only he leads us to rest in peace, he leads us in right paths. He always leads in right paths. You ever got lost in the woods? It's a terrible feeling. I live in the woods. And if you don't know the paths, you don't know the trails, you don't know the direction, you get easily turned around. 
uh, there, there's a lot of woods surrounding this camp. It'd be very easy to get lost and turned around and lacking in direction. But God never takes a, long, a wrong turn for himself or for us. He always leads in the right direction. In fact, mark two words in verse number three. Would you mark the word restoreth and would you mark the word righteousness? This is really interesting. Restore is him getting us back on the right path and leading us in paths of righteousness is him keeping us on the right path. The Lord has a way of correcting us and then keeping us. For example, this week, a bunch of you made decisions last night to, to give some area of your life to God or surrender your whole life to God. I say wonderful, but that's just the initial decision. That's the Lord restoring your soul. Now he wants to guide you and lead you step by step in right paths. And that doesn't happen one day a week. And that doesn't happen one week a year at summer camp. That has to happen every day of your life. When you leave this camp, you must determine that the Lord is going to be the one who is the leader in your life somebody's going to set the agenda for you. Some of you are letting your friends set the agenda. Some of you are, are trying to set the agenda yourself, chart your own course. I want to tell you, the Lord wants to be your shepherd. Sheep sometimes get so fat <laughs> that they lay down, and when they lay down, they roll over on their back. The, the shepherds call them a cast sheep. They're literally cast Feet, get the middle picture, four feet straight up in the air, and they cannot roll back over. They can't get up on their own. It'd be, it'd be a comical sight if it wasn't so pitiful. They literally will lie there and die. They'll either starve to death or a predator will get them. They cannot get back up on, them, on their own. David uses that word when he says he restored my soul. Literally, he picks me up and sets me back upright. That, look, it's a picture of our inability and his ability. You can't do this on your own, but the good shepherd will do it for you if you let him. When I was praying, trying to find God's will, one of my favorite verses, turn one page in your Bible. Look at Psalm 27, verse 11. You ought to mark this verse in your Bible. This is a prayer. Everybody in this room ought to make your prayer. You can pray the very words of Scripture. Look at Psalm 27, verse 11. Teach me thy way, O Lord, and here's what I prayed. Lead me in a plain path because of mine enemies. Would you mark that? Lead me in a plain path. I must have prayed that thousands of times. I prayed it almost every day. Lord God, lead me in a plain path. I don't know what to do. I don't know which direction to go, but lead me in a plain path. Let me tell you something. If you'll trust God to lead you in a plain path, he will lead you in a right path. Go back to Psalm 23 to show you a third thing. He not only leads to rest in peace, he not only leads in right paths, but number three, he leads us through rough places. Look at verse 4 and 5. Verse 4 and 5 are pretty rough. I mean, we're about to hit some rocky road here. And isn't it interesting? It starts with a positive word. Praise God. He starts with a yay. That means yes. All the promises of God in Christ are yea, and in him amen, Paul said. Hey, look, even in the rough places, God's still God. Look at verse 4. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. It's not getting all the bad stuff out that gives you Joy is the presence of the shepherd. Look at verse 5. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Look at verse 4 and look at verse 5. In verse 4, we're in a valley, and in verse 5, we're in a battle. Can I tell you, life is full of valleys and battles. But listen to me, Jesus will be with you in every one of them. In every valley, the shepherd shows up. In every battle, the shepherd shows up. Why? Because the shepherd doesn't just take care of you on mountaintops and when all is well in the green pastures. He goes with you at every 
stage and season and situation of your life. Would you take your pen and mark three words? Everybody look at verse 4. Stare at verse 4. Here's the first word. Would you mark the word though? Yea, though I walk through the valley. Like even if I have to. Though is a word of possibility. It means it's possible you're going to go through something that you really wouldn't choose for yourself. And by the way, I don't know what it is. Don't you wish you got to pick all your own circumstances? But we don't. So though is a word of possibility. Here's the second word. Would you mark the word through? Yea, though I walk through. He doesn't say you're going into it. Praise God. He says you're coming through it. If the Lord takes you into the valley, he'll bring you out the other side. If though is a word of possibility, through is a word of certainty. Praise God. I don't know what my circumstances will be. Possible anything could happen. But I know one thing for sure. I'm certain of this. Jesus is going to bring me through that. Why? Because God is greater than any circumstance. But here's the greatest word. There's a third word I want you to mark. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for, here's the word, thou. Isn't that a great word? Who's the thou? That's God. If though is a word of possibility and through is a word of certainty, thou is a word of deity. You have God in on this. You have God with you. The Lord is my shepherd. And some of you right now going through some rough spots. And I hate to tell you this. I'm not trying to be depressing. I really want to encourage you this morning. But some of you, when you get home, something negative is going to smack you right in the face. And when it does, you need to run straight to this verse and say, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. In other words, in the Lord and his divine resources, you have everything you need to get through that. And not just get through it. Come out on the other side of victor. God doesn't just want you to endure your life. He wants you to enjoy him in the midst of whatever you're dealing with. So the Lord leads us. And by the way, before we move on to the last one, look at verse 5. He says, Thou anointest my head with oil. Sheep get all bloody sometimes. They get in thorns and briars and they get junk on them. And so the shepherd has to pour oil on their head. He heals them. Some of you need healing. I'm not talking about the physical kind. I'm talking about your mind and your emotions and Something in your past. Can I tell you, the Lord can heal all of that. In fact, the Lord can give you so much. Look at the end of that verse. Your cup can run over. Not just enough to get by, to eat through. No. The Lord can give you so much healing grace in your heart and mind that God ends up turning the thing around and making you a blessing to somebody else who's going through the very same thing. This might seem a little comical, but this phrase, anointest my head with oil, in, in, in the, the Hebrew that David used, literally means to make it fat. You know, it's funny. In our world, our, our Western idea, it's like skinny is beautiful. That's the mentality people have, which is not right. But in the Eastern custom, I kind of like this, the fatter you are, the more beautiful it was. I think some of us say, praise God to that, you know. The blessed of the Lord should be made fat. I was walking through Ghana, West Africa, 20-some years ago, through a marketplace. I didn't know this then. That part of the world, uh, to, to, to be large is to be beautiful. And I'm walking through a marketplace, me and another guy, and this lady's selling her wares over by the side in a little marketplace, and she says, hey, beautiful men, hey, beautiful men. We looked at each other like, man, I like this place, you know. Then I figured out she was saying, hey, fat boys, come over here. But anyhow. The reality is God says, I'm not just going to give you enough to make it. I'm going to give you so much you can live on it for a long time. Why? Because he leads through rough places. One more. Look at verse 6. 
Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And, oh, praise God for the and. I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Would you write this down? He not only leads to rest and peace. He not only leads in right paths. He not only leads through red places. Number four, he eventually leads us to his own royal palace. I missed this. So just recently I was looking at this psalm preparing to talk to you about it. And it dawned on me, it doesn't end in the pasture, it ends in the palace. What did David do with his life? He started in the field, but he ended in the palace. He started as a shepherd with dirty sheep, but he ended as the king. And he's writing here, I think he must have smiled as he wrote it. Look, look, friends, if you'll follow the shepherd, you're not going to end up out in the field somewhere. No, no, you're not going to stay in the valley. It's not going to be a battle forever. In the end of your life, the Lord is going to bring you right to the palace of the king. And everybody look at verse number 6. Did you ever notice that he's behind you and in front of you? He surrounds you. Another psalm says that. He's, he's beset us behind and before. But look at it. He follows you and he leads you. Somebody said goodness and mercy are his sheepdogs. They, they come along behind you. Goodness and mercy follow you all the days of your life and You'll dwell in the house of the Lord forever. It means the Lord is going to be your shepherd now and for eternity. He's going to meet the deepest needs of your life at this juncture, and then he's going to take you to be with him forever. What a wonderful shepherd we have. Why? Because he leads me. Joseph Gilmore was a pastor in 1862. It was just after the darkest moments of the Civil War. There was a lot of depression, frankly. There was a lot of uncertainty about the future. There was just a lot of questions. Joseph Gilmore was preaching to his church one day from Psalm 23, and he was walking through the psalm, and while he was preaching, the phrase that just like jumped off the page at him was this expression, He leadeth me. He'd never paid much attention to it before, and then he saw it twice, and it just like captured him. He couldn't get away from it. After the Sunday morning service, he went to a deacon's house for lunch, and after lunch, they're sitting around talking about it. He reaches for a napkin or a piece of paper, something lying nearby, and he starts writing down some things, and he wrote several verses of something and a little poem based on his thoughts about the leading of the Lord from Psalm 23, and he left it at the house. The deacon's wife found it, saw it, thought it was beautiful. She sent it to a newspaper. The newspaper thought it was so good, they published it. A man by the name of William Bradbury, who was a musician, wrote beautiful music, decided that could become a song, and he set it to music. They then sent it to a hymn publisher who put it in a hymn book. All of this without Joseph Gilmore knowing the full effect of the words he wrote that day. It was like his Boom, 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 spiritual chain reaction. A few years goes by, and Joseph Gilmore is having a hard time. He's struggling. Preachers struggle too. He's at a moment of decision where he's trying to seek guidance and direction for his future and figure out exactly what it is he's supposed to do. And he walks into a service one day, and he opens a hymn book, and they announced to him, and they said, we're going to read this, we're going to sing this hymn together. And when he looked at it, he recognized the words. They were singing the words he had written on that napkin that Sunday afternoon. And this is what he read. He leadeth me, oh, blessed thought. Oh, words with heavenly comfort fraught. Whate'er I do, where'er I be, still tis God's hand that leadeth me. Sometimes mid scenes of deepest gloom, sometimes where Eden's flowers bloom, by waters calm or troubled sea, still tis God's hand that leadeth me. 
Lord, I would clasp thy hand in mine, nor ever murmur nor repine. Content whatever lot I see, since tis my God that leadeth me. And when my task on earth is done, when by thy grace the victory is won, in death's cold wave I will not flee, since God through Jordan leadeth me. And here's the chorus. He leadeth me. He leadeth me. By his own hand he leadeth me. His faithful follower I would be. For by his hand he leadeth me. Would you look me in the eye? Here's what I know for sure. I know he will be a good leader. I know he will be. He's proven it to me. I wonder if we will be faithful followers. If you want to say, I shall not want, then you've got to start with, the Lord is my shepherd. Father, I pray today that as these young people spend time in Psalm 23, it will come alive to them. The spiritual truth would just ring in their ears, resonate in their thinking. May the Holy Spirit be our teacher and do exactly what Jesus promised and guide us into all truth. Oh, Lord, speak to us today during the God night time. And help us to be faithful followers of a very good shepherd. And I thank you for it in Jesus' name. And all God's campers said, Amen. If this Bible message has been used of God in your life, or we can pray for you in some definite way, please contact us at enjoyingthejourney.org. We hope you will share the message with others who may also be encouraged by it. For additional full-length Bible messages, please visit Dr. Scott Pauley's YouTube channel. Tomorrow is the Lord's Day, and we want to encourage you to be faithful to attend a Bible preaching church in your area this Sunday. Thank you for listening to The Weekend Pulpit. And don't miss Enjoying the Journey daily devotional podcast each Monday through Friday.